faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment of First of the Day. <coughs> Days of First comes from Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. <coughs> it says, Come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food? Your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. So Isaiah 55 is God's invitation to the people of Israel who have rejected him, and what he says is right to return to him and renew their relationship with him. When they do this, then they will be restored to a place of satisfaction and blessing. But how does this apply to those of us who are not Jewish? So an essential prerequisite for salvation is a genuine spiritual hunger and thirst for righteousness and for a right relationship with God. This spiritual salvation is based on the sacrificial death of the servant of Messiah Christ. We must repent, which is to turn from our sins and turn toward God, changing our lives' direction to follow his plans and approach God in our faith, trusting him to take control of our lives. As we live for him, a continued hunger and thirst for God's purposes and power are necessary for receiving the fullness of his spirit. In today's Bible readings are Leviticus 15, 1 through 16, 28, Mark 7, 1 through 23, Psalm 40, 11 through 17, and Proverbs 10, 13 through 14. Unwashed hands. For the 
Jews and all the Jews, but unless they give their hands <coughs> a ceremonial washing, keeping the traditions of the elders, when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed in their customs. They have received and keep like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Instead of eating bread with the ceremonially unclean hands, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, <coughs> The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching us doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God you hold to human tradition, he also said to them, you have a fine way of validating God's command in order to set up your own tradition, or your set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is korban. That is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Nullify the word of God <coughs> by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. That's one of seven. 1 through 13. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were guilty of the sin of legalism, which substitutes outward acts or words for true godly attitudes that come from a holy relationship with God. Legalism, legalism, legalists seek to honor God with their words. But their hearts or motives and affections are far from him and his purposes. This means they might appear outwardly to live right and seek what pleases God, but inwardly they have no real love for him. And there are two things about legalism that we need to understand. Number one, legalism is not simply living by the laws or standards of God's word because since, because such standards are good and proper. If based on God's commands and principles, whether legalism has to do with the person's motive for following God and his purposes, any motive that does not flow out of a true and active faith in Christ and the desire to obey and please him is legalism. <coughs> and the last thing we need to see is in this age of grace, we are spiritually saved through faith in Christ and not our own efforts. This is not to say that Christians should neglect the instructions, disciplines, and duties of Christ's law. Christ's law and God's word. The Bible teaches us to show our love for Christ by being faithful 
6-2, and the law of the Spirit, which is Romans 8-2. <coughs> in God's word, we find positive commands, which are things we should do in practice, negative commands, which are things we should avoid or refrain from doing, basic principles, which are ethical truths that reflect God's character, and from the basis of His laws. In my life, I words spoken by spiritual leaders with God-given <coughs> spirit, uh, God-given authority in spiritual matters. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law were also guilty of placing human tradition above God's direct revelation. They allowed their own laws and regulations, even when those things were not consistent with the standards of God's word. Jesus is not condemning all traditions here, but only those that contradict or conflict with the commands and principles of God's word. So traditions or rules must be based on and remain consistent. Remain consistent with truths found in the Bible. So churches must resist the tendency to promote their own rules, <coughs> traditions, ideas, and preferences above the Bible. God's written word as revealed in the Bible is the only infallible, which means unfailing, flawless, or perfectly reliable rule for faith and living. Human ideas must never become more important than God's word. And so today's passage ends in this way. So summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the <coughs> parable. He said to them, Are you also are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within and of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. So that's Mark 7, 14 through 23. Jesus here is speaking of being unclean or corrupted spiritually. He is referring to foods that enter a person's body. Foods that enter a person's body. But do not affect the heart. This verse cannot, cannot be used to justify using harmful substances like drugs or alcohol, since using those things often result <coughs> in evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adultery.
hatred, greed, fallacious deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Also notice that when Jesus says that nothing goes into a person, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He is definitely talking about food. He is not not referring to things that enter our minds and affect our thoughts in immoral <coughs> ways. The principle in this passage must not be used to justify ungodly activities and behaviors such as sexual suggestive entertainment, immodest that immodest attire and or materialism that affects what goes into our minds and eventually comes out in the form of the sins that are listed in this passage. So in this passage makes unclean means the phrase makes unclean means spiritually corrupted in a way that separates a person from the life and purposes of God and ruins his or her relationship with Christ. Throughout God's word, the heart represents a person's entire inner being, including the intellect, emotions, motives, desires, and will. So impure heart will corrupt one's thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. Those of us who follow Christ must live in a way that reflects a heart that is new and transformed, which is different from what is natural in the world, a heart that is becoming more and more like Jesus. And the heart is what we are going to spend the rest of our time talking about. So Proverbs 4.23 says this about the heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. So people generally consider the head with its brain to be the center and director of individual human thought and activity. However, the Bible refers to the heart as the center of our being. When the Bible speaks of the heart, it is not referring to our physical organ that pumps blood throughout the body. <clears throat> it is referring to the whole of one's intellect, emotion, and will. So let's talk a little bit about that. About that. So the heart is the center of the intellect. So the Bible describes people knowing, praying, and meditating in their hearts. They are also able to hide God's word in their heart devise plans and retain God's work there. <clears throat> so individuals are able to think, doubt, ponder, believe, and sing in their heart. And all of these abilities of the heart involve the mind. So the heart is also the center of the emotions or center of the emo or center of your emotions. The Bible speaks about the glad heart, the loving heart, the fearful heart, the courageous heart, the repentant heart, the anxious heart, the angry heart, the revived heart, the anguished heart, the delighted heart, the grieving heart, the humble heart, 
the excited or running heart and the troubled heart. So all of these actions of the heart are basically emotional in nature. So lastly, the heart is the center of the human will. The will could be defined as one's desire, motivation, purpose, determination, or ability to choose. When reading God's word about the hardened heart that resists God and refuses to do what he commands, <clears throat> the heart that is yielding or submitted to God, the heart that intends to do something, the heart that is devoted to pursuing a deeper relationship with God, <clears throat> the heart that decides, the heart that desires to receive from God, the heart that is turned toward, towards God's laws, and the heart that wants to do something. All of these acts are of the human will. So remember, the heart is referring to the whole of your intellect, emotion, and will. <clears throat> so when Adam and Eve chose to defy and disobey God's command and follow the serpent's temptation to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their decision was the most was most destructive to the human heart. Not the heart that pumps blood, but the heart that is the center of your intellect, the center of your emotions, and the center of your will. So because of their choice, the human heart became open to and filled with evil influences and selfish desires. That is why the words, follow your heart, are literally not good advice. Though the speaker may mean well, the Bible shows us the real, naturally dark and sobering condition of the heart, apart from God. In the God-inspired words of the prophet Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure who can understand it. As Jeremiah 17, 9, Jesus explained this truth another way when he said that spiritual impurity, which is being unlike God, is not the failure to follow some ritual or ceremonial law. It is the willingness to follow the pull of wickedness, to follow the pull of wickedness that is written deep within the heart of humankind. He meant such things as evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. That's Mark 7, 21-22, but taken out of the New International Version. Jesus taught about the seriousness of holding tight to sin in the heart, explaining that the sin of anger is equal to murder. That's Matthew 5, 21-22. The sin of lust is the same as taking part in adultery. That's Matthew 5, 27-28. So hearts that are stubbornly turned toward evil are on a path that will make them hardened, which is totally resistant toward God. Those who keep refusing to accept God's word and to obey what he commands, 
themselves in a most dangerous situation. They may not even realize it when God finally allows them to go their own way. Then they will lose all sensitivity to His Word and to the Holy Spirit. The perfect example of this in the Bible is Pharaoh's heart at the time of the Exodus. Paul saw the same hardened conditions at work in the hearts of many who tried to influence the New Testament believers in Rome. And the Apostle Paul predicted that this condition of the heart would also occur in the end times during the days of the Antichrist. The writer of Hebrews filled his letter with the warnings to believers not to harden their hearts, and anyone who continues to reject God's word will finally come to have a hardened heart. So God's answer to the sinfulness of the human heart is regeneration, which happens in individuals who truly repent, turn to God by faith, and accept Jesus as the forgiver of their sins and leader of their lives. Regeneration refers to a heart that has been spiritually reborn, renewed, revitalized, reformed, and redeveloped, all being necessary processes of the newness to where it is right with the God. So the heart so the heart has been spiritually reborn, renewed, revitalized, reformed, and redeveloped to where it is right with God. That is what a regenerated heart is. So regeneration refers to the heart being born again. Those who repent from their heart of all sin and confess in their heart that Jesus is the Lord are born again spiritually and receive a new spiritual heart from God. For those who experience this spiritual, this spiritually God creates within them a desire to love Him and to obey Him. Repeatedly God makes it clear to His people the necessity of expressing a love that comes from the heart. This type of love for God and devotion to Him cannot, cannot be separated from obedience to His Word. True love for God and faithful obedience to God are like two sides of the same coin. Jesus said the way to fulfill all of the law of God is to love God wholeheartedly and love others unselfishly. So love from the heart is the necessary part of obedience to God, is a necessary part of obedience to God. But it is often the part that is lacking or the most lacking. Too often God's people <coughs> try to substitute a practice of religious rituals and regulations, such as sacred feast days, offering and sacrifices for a genuine love from the heart. Outward activity without an inward desire to serve God is not true love and devotion. In fact, it is being boastful and false. And it is greatly condemned by Jesus. And finally, many other spiritual activities take place in the heart of those who are spiritually transformed 
They praise God with all their heart, meditate on God's word in their heart, cry out to God from the heart, seek God with all their heart, hide God's word in their heart, trust in the Lord with all their heart, forgive others from their heart, experience God's love pour into their heart, give to God from their heart, sing to God in their heart, we love other Christians from their heart, but above all, they love God with all their heart, they love with all their heart, so you see that's the heart, that is what Jesus was talking about here, the heart, which remember is the center of our emotions, our intellect, center of our emotions, our intellect and our will. So we, we have generated that heart, then things are better for us. Tomorrow's Bible readings are Leviticus 16, 29 through 18, 30, Mark 7, 24 through 8, 10, Psalm 41, 1 through 13, and Proverbs 10, 15 